This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're rolling with Jason and John, 92.9 FM ESPN, rolling strong on a Wednesday. Yes, September 14th. Got plenty to talk about, including the fact that Aaron Judge is red hot right now. He had a couple of home runs. We're watching to see if he breaks the Yankees' home run record, Roger Maris's record. He had two last night, 56-57. He needs to hit five more in 20 games. We'll see if he can get there. Brett Favre in hot water, maybe? Will Brett Favre be arrested? That may be a real question we'll ask today uh, for some things going on down in Mississippi. Las Vegas Aces. I'm saving the best for last, by the way. They're making light work of the Connecticut Sun. Man, oh man, if it had just been my Chicago Sky and James Wade, it is not. Chargers Chiefs, big one tomorrow. AFC West showdown. And, of course, speaking of showdowns, John, you've got the season opener for the Tigers this weekend, Saturday. Is that a 6 or 6.30 kick? I think it's 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock kick in a game, John, that could determine where the rest of this season will go. Yeah, apparently so. Vaunted Arkansas State Red Wolves, aren't they? Aren't Coming they vaunted? Just uh, incredibly, uh, I think, propelled by their cover <laughs> in the shoe, right? Big underdogs. Mm-hmm. Bush Jones is saying to that group, hey, we, fellas, we covered. We put up 12 good ones, and that was enough. Big that number. Was a, if we can put up 12 against Ohio State, think about what we can do to Memphis. That's at least going to be, f- what, 24, 32? I don't know what the math on that is. Um, You're going to find out. But, yes, we will find out trembling, quivering around the city of Memphis as Arkansas State Red Wolves come into town, having just put up, again, four field goals <laughs> against, against Ohio, Ohio State. State, State yes, fool. yes, against Ohio State. <laughs> they might put up eight field goals against Memphis. Who knows? Um, yeah, we have, yeah. A, uh, okay. we have a lot to get to on the show today. Mark Gino is going to join us. At 11.25, we'll talk to him about Memphis uh, and more. Um, so that is the show today, but lots of topics to get into. Let's do Cap or No Cap. Cap. 
It means lion, but built different. Now, it's cap. I'm going to say cap. For no cap. I'm going to say that that's no cap. On 92.9's Jason and John Show. Memphis football, 30,000 attendance for the game at the, there we go, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. You got it. Liberty Stadium, Simmons Bank. 30,000 attendance. Is that cap or no cap, John? Well, we do this. It is an annual tradition unlike any other. We always ask mm. at the beginning of the season, will they get 30,000? <laughs> That's true. The you attendance know, We question. have done this every year. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, since as long as I can remember in professional Not media. Not to John. Apparently. Not to John. No, I, 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 fans, you, fans seem to be <laughs> Not as much fun for John well, because, to win. Well, because it's like, fans I wish we didn't it. have to ask the question. No, it's fair. Right? I wish mm. we just knew there were right. going to be 30,000 there no matter what. I wish we knew there were going to be 40,000 there no matter what. Um but I do think people get a little bit exhausted of, well, you got to show up. You got to show up. You got to show, you know, before you get to the Big 12 or the whatever, you got to show that you can do it. You got to, you know, I think people just get overwhelmed by that. Um, no, there's going to be over 30,000 there. I, I got to believe there's going to be 30,000. Are there some complicating factors? Yes. One of them is going to be weather. What's the weather going to be like? Is the weather going to be clear? I haven't looked at the forecast. If the weather is good, then I think that's a great thing. That's a great sign. And uh, the other complicating thing is, you know, these new tickets. Are, are there going to be, uh, you know, hiccups with that? Uh, are, are people going to be deterred by that? Uh, I, I think 30000 is a is a mark that they should hit. I don't know how comfortably, but Arkansas State will also bring fans. So I think that's the other, you know, that's the other piece of this. Um, there will be 30,000 people there. I assume they might get forty. They might get 40 because it's Arkansas State. Arkansas State's going to bring some. Right? I mean, could Arkansas State bring six? I think Arkansas State could bring 6,000 people, right? Went over 40,000 one time last year as Mississippi State, 43. They went over 40 once last year. Yeah. And that was an SEC opponent. Correct. Well, okay. So, so I think. So the 40, it's not the question here. You might be stretched a little bit with then, 40. 35 mm-hmm. then. I'll say 35. You're, you're right that it's going to go over 30,000. Went over 30,000 last year for Nichols in the opener. It was the same time, a 6 p.m. game. And, John, you hit on something. Sounds simple, but the weather's going to dictate a lot of this. Looks like you're in for a pretty good night out there at the Liberty Stadium on Saturday night. So, listen, we've seen when Memphis fans begin to start to check out on this team or it's not good to great like we've talked about, it drop under 30. Last year, ECU, Tulane, you were at 28, 27,000. But for the most part, last year, UTSA, you had 29, and that was early in the season. It's a 2.35 p.m. game. We know those have a tendency to be hot. Most of those 6 p.m. games, man, you would think you're going to go over 30, especially on a nice day. This is the season opener. You're one and one. We said you had to be to get a crowd like this, right? Get to one and one. Don't drop both. Don't lose at Navy after losing to Mississippi State. They took care of business. You'll go over 30 here. Keep winning. That's how you keep that thing going up. We'll know that. We know, though, that this thing goes the other way. It can go, it can go south pretty quick. They'll be over thirty thousand on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think should be a good night. Thirty-five feels like the uh, the right number there. You know, yeah, I think between thirty and, I, and, and thirty-five I, is a good number. And I think the bigger philosophical question is just like, what should it be, right? Like, what what should the base be? Well, you're coming off a six and six season, right? Mm-hmm. So you tell me what it should be. I, I think you got to get them excited again. Well, there's no doubt about that. The onus is on Memphis football. Hundred percent. Um, you know, because we saw it. Um, you know, Norvell Norvell's attendance. You know, I don't. I don't have it in front of me. I, 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 I recall some days being underwhelmed, though, uh, by Norvell. I think the peak of Memphis, though, was when they had upset Ole Miss um, 
and they came back maybe the week after the week after that to Navy where there it was a I want to say it was a weeknight game mm-hmm. they had 50,000 people there Jeez. right I mean it was it was now look it took Memphis being undefeated for that mm-hmm. it took Memphis being undefeated to get 50,000 people in the middle of the season that was a moment where I thought was an in, that was a moment I thought was an inflection point I was like okay we had questions would Memphis support a, 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 a truly great Memphis football team. And I thought we got our answer there. And then there were some moments during the Norvell era where they were objectively fantastic, um, and you would just see the attendance numbers, and you would just kind of shake your head. You'd be like, you know, why, why not more? Does he, do they really have to go undefeated, you know, eight games into the season, you know, to get that? So I, I don't know. And I also – I'm sure Nate. Or should you be in an on-campus stadium where your your capacity is thirty-five thousand? Well, that too. That's mm. You know what thing. I'm saying? Like, is thing. It, it's yep. unfair to ask them every week to fill that thing up and put forty to fifty in there. You show me what programs in the AAC are doing that. So yep. that that's the other part of this conversation. And so again, it is what it is. And to start here, I, you know, it's going to be over thirty thousand. You're going to have a nice night out there, and hopefully, you get you get a nice win over a Arkansas State team that only. Uh, connected on four field goals against Ohio State last week, as John wants you to know. Yeah, I've seen 14. I see 14 and a half right now on yeah, it's still up there. That number's still big. Yeah, I mean, this is a heavy Memphis favorite. No matter what anybody will try to tell you about Arkansas State, I mean, this is supposed to be a blowout for Memphis, over 14 and a half. Uh, do they cover the 14 and a half points, gentlemen? They, I, all right, let me phrase the cap question here as they will cover the 14 points. I think they will. I think they will. Um, I, I don't. I don't want to, at eleven ten on this show, start a war. Right? I don't. But I think they will cover the number because Seth is going to be empowered. They're at home. Uh, it's going to be a good crowd. You know. I think they're going to come out with some real energy, and um, you know, I think that defense steps up. So I will say they cover the number. I think this is like a no cap, you know, thirty-five to you know seventeen type win for Memphis. That's kind of you know, could it be a little bit more high scoring? Sure, right. But I kind of just feel like that's. I mean, Arkansas State will put points up, like they will they will score. I just don't know how much. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, I think Memphis does handle business, and they start that journey of you know what we talked about. Four and one, they get the two and one above five hundred. You're also feeling the under. It sounds like. What is the total on that? I would it's th- like sixty, dude. It's a bunch of points. Yeah, um, oh, the sixty-five and a half. Sixty-five and a half. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't really done anything on this game. I haven't. I haven't wagered on it. Um, you know, the 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 instinct is to take the over because they scored hundred and five combined points last year, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I would ask, why is the you know. I got, 65 and a half is pretty damn high. Yeah, that's pretty damn high. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I I think Memphis covers, but I, I would not sit here and I'm not going to pound my fist on the table about it, though. I don't feel super strongly about it, I would say. Um, so, you know, if, you're, if I'm arguing your side that they will, if you look at the SP Plus rankings, the rankings of efficiency in college football over at ESPN, this Arkansas State team is right there with Navy. They're like right side by side, right? You know, b- both thought of on that same level, right? And we see what you know, we see what we think of Navy yep. after that game. And so, if I'm arguing it from that standpoint, I can see all day long. Yeah, you'd love to see Seth Hennigan go in there, light him up again, go put up a fifty burger and blow this team out. That said, this Arkansas State quarterback is the same one that came in in the second half last year 
and threw four touchdowns. His name is James Blackman. He is back. No, they didn't score against Ohio State last week, but they were able to move the ball. They had listen. They took advantage of some Ohio State miscues early on to get the field goals. John's right; it wasn't like they're not some juggernaut. But they did have a hundred-yard receiver. His name is Champ Flemings. And remember, they come into this game coming off a fifty-five-fifty loss to you last year, where they've got that thing circled, saying, "We think we can go with Memphis, mm-hmm. especially this Memphis team. This isn't someone that, that's been picked to win the conference." When you add that up offensively, the fact they've got some experience over there, including the quarterback who scored 27 points with four touchdowns, I think they missed a two-point conversion last year. When you add that to the fact that there's this, this guy on defense, his name is Kevon Bennett, Okay, he's an edge rusher. He's a transfer from Tennessee. Go look him up. He looked good last week against Ohio State. He got pressure on them. They got six tackles for loss against Ohio State. They can create some pressure, too, is my point. So for, again, a Memphis offensive line that's looking to get some cohesion here. You're two games in. Looked a little bit better, obviously, last week. You want to keep building. Uh, Kevon Bennett on the edge is a guy you have to worry about. He's going to be a mid-round pick in the draft. Again, transfer from Tennessee. My point, Arkansas State got some things. It's not like there's some push over here. Right. I'm going to say all that to say I, I want Memphis to cover. I want the blowout. I think that's how you build momentum and get this thing to 4-1, and one, and more importantly, get more butts and seats, more 30,000-plus crowds. Yeah. That said, I think Arkansas had, State's had this one circled, so I'm going to say that Arkansas. I'm going to take. I'm going to take the points here. Is it 14 and a half or 14? It, it, it is a lot. I mean, either it's, one. It's just yeah. a huge number, if you, man. If you can get number. 14, if you can get 14 and a half, that's pretty damn good. This, I this mean, dude outscored us like 27, 21 in the second half right. last year. James mm-hmm. Blackman. He's the same guy. I like teams with returning quarterbacks. So again, I'm not picking against Memphis here. Memphis is going to win this game. I just think it's going to be closer than uh, yeah. than that big old number. So again, not not anti Memphis. Memphis is going to win. Want a big crowd. Just watch out for James Blackman and uh and this kid Kevon Bennett. I realize Grambling is an FBS team. Week one they did beat Grambling fifty eight to three. Yeah, and, it's hard to measure that. John's right about that. You can't put too much stock in it. Just like I don't think uh, Ohio State. Yeah, no, you I, can I, put I, a ton of stock in that because no, that's a that's a monster. We really, beat. We really have mm-hmm. no data on Arkansas State. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, you're right. No yeah. real like no, you know no real you know no gauge uh, but applying the, the, data. No. The kid Blackman's poised though. He hasn't thrown any interceptions. Didn't throw any last week. Yeah. Doesn't like to take sacks. Uh, we'll see. I think we're you know we're in for a high scoring game on Saturday. Hopefully, with the Tigers pulling away. I'm interested in this one. Brett Favre should be arrested, cap or no cap. I think I'm I'm of the he, he should be uh, camp, but uh, I'm interested in what y'all think. Okay, investigative report by Mississippi Today has revealed that uh, revealed yesterday that former Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant helped Brett Favre obtain welfare funds in order to help build a new volleyball center at the University of Southern Mississippi. Now, why would that be related to Favre? Well, Favre's daughter played volleyball at Southern Mississippi. There are also some pretty damning texts, uh, including one from Favre in terms of uh, what it appears to be, hey, if I'm going to accept this money, and here's the text, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? That was asked to the sort of the foundation director or the person responsible for putting this stuff together uh, back in, in 2017. That's a pretty damning text in the sense that sounds like you knew where the money was coming from as well. Now, Favre has already had to sort of have... He's had to pay back some money before in a situation where he did some speeches for the state, or at least he was was paid to do them and did not. And so he's had to pay back money before. He's not arrested in that sense. In that case, I, in in this case though, if you know you're taking funds fraudulently, mm-hmm. I, I just think I think there's a possibility of it. I'm I'm going to go no here though because it's Brett Favre and it's Mississippi. 
It's it's favorite son in Mississippi that he'll have to pay it back the five yep. million or whatever it is and get a yeah. slap on the wrist that you won't see any uh, arrest or jail time. But that um, in terms of should he be well, yeah. should he face something? Yeah, yeah. I think that's because no those, those are two separate questions there, right? Should right. He exactly. Really? Yeah. Um, because uh, and the question we asked is will he? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Or was it should? Should it was should. Well, yeah. if it should, that's no cap. No cap. Uh, yeah. but, but he won't be. You're no, exactly you're right. right because our you know you already saw that uh, Tate Reeves. You know the 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 minute that I can't remember which government official it was, but the minute that that official wanted to do the deposition and wanted to get into the you know start start the discovery, they were they were mysteriously fired. Yeah, right. I mean they're not going to do that to Brett Favre. What I have a hard time wrapping my head around is that Brett Favre was in the NFL for twenty years as a freaking high profile and highly paid QB and he's having to sit here and basically, you know, <laughs> embezzle money from the state to pay for the renovations in the new, you know, volleyball facility. Like you don't have enough you don't have enough money that either you have liquid or could get from somebody. You know, after all, you know, all your years in the, I mean, what what are his career earnings? That is the thing about insanely wealthy people that you learn. They don't like to spend money. (laughs) Like they, they have it, but they don't like to spend money. And it's like, that's bizarre to me. I saw the story yesterday. I'm like, Brett, you're, you're, he made $140 million, bro, in his NFL career. And I'm sure he's got pension, and I'm sure he's invested a lot of that, and I'm sure he's got like assets and all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I I saw the story and I said, Brett, you you couldn't you couldn't front it, you know? Yeah. You couldn't do it yourself. I mean, your daughter plays for the damn team, you know. If my daughter played for yeah. the team and I had the money lying around, I would have no issue. Con- I don't know if I'm going to pay for the whole thing, but I'll contribute, throw my name on it, slap my name on it. You know, I'm not going to try to work with the state. I'm not going to try to, like, steal money from the state. And, and he, you know, the texts are coming out where he's saying, is there any way that the media can would find out about this? It, it, it really does. It almost seems like they were more excited to get far of the money than he was to take it. Though. Oh, no doubt. Like, they, knew, they knew this up. woman that was the head founder of the Mississippi Community Education Center. They were tasked with spending the millions of dollars. was like, hey, I got this $5 million. Yeah. Almost, you know, almost how about it? Like, this is the apparently the largest case of public fraud in Mississippi history. We're not just talking about the five million for fraud. State auditors have determined that nonprofit leaders misspent 77 million of welfare funds. So this this looks like it's it's they've been stealing for a while now. And they're, they're, they said, hey, Favre, you want to come and get you some. But in this instance, too, Favre knows what he's taking, it seems like, because you're asking again, yeah. hey, can I get caught with this? Is the media going to find out? I mean, for me, that's that that's criminal if you take funds fraudulently like that. And so, again, um, I'm not sure Favre goes to him with his hand out as much as it is. They've been running this big circus for a while now, and here's some money, and we'll give it to our friends. And that's what that's what it looks like happened here. I, I've Favre never, should still be held accountable. I think the, the other story that, that we talk about when we talk about Brett Favre is I think people are snowed on Brett Favre. I don't think Brett Favre's a good guy, I, and I, I'll go that far. You know, like short of of prison, like I think he's he's not the folksy, you know, gunslinging sort of just a cowboy guy. He's he might be a bad guy. He might. He um, might. So that's Brett Favre. Chiefs Chargers to the NFL will be a classic. Is that cap or no cap for that game? 
Okay. Is that the Thursday night game? It is the Thursday night game. The first one on uh, Amazon Amazon Prime. Prime. Oh, that's right. No NBC for this at all? Uh, well, normally wow. it would be on what NFL, NFL Network. Network, yeah. Because I think last Thursday was on NBC. Yeah, the so opener, the, the opener. special yeah. opener. Yeah. So okay. this would this would normally wow. be on CBS slash NFL Network. Okay. Instead, this is going to be on Amazon Prime. Mm. Um, yeah, it'll be a classic. I mean, you have uh, you have Justin Herbert, who uh, even even the Chargers said laughter last week. We were a little bit too conservative with him. Um, mm. So they're going to they're going to unleash him. And then Patrick Mahomes had five touchdowns last week. Um, and and I, I mean, look, I, I think. LA's defense is legit. I don't think the Raiders' offensive line is. So I don't think you're going to be able to get to Mahomes the way that they were able to get to to Derek Carr this week. This is going to be a classic. I don't know if it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Is, is Keenan Allen playing? He is not. He is out. Yeah, I so, think that could be big. Um, it's going to be a lot of Austin Eckler, you feel like, for him, uh, for, for Justin Herbert. But, yeah, no, I mean, I think this is a great debut for Amazon Prime. I mean, they did it on purpose, right? Uh, it's hard to find a better quarterback matchup in today's NFL than Patrick Mahomes versus uh, Justin Herbert. I mean, that's going to be pretty, pretty, pretty elite stuff. So I think it'll be a clack just in terms of. In, I don't think it's going to be a defensive game, and they're going to be like ten seven. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say it'll be a great game. I think it'll be awesome. I think the Chiefs win ultimately, uh, but I, I do think it'll be a great one. It sure sets up to be. I'm a believer in the Chargers. I, I've got them second. Yeah. Second or third, depending upon what y'all decide to do. Lord knows they got the leg up on you, having beat you in week one. Uh, but I got the Chargers as a playoff team, definitely. So it's not that I don't believe in them. I just believe more in Patrick Mahomes being angry. And this whole idea about the fact that Justin Herbert's uh, a, a higher-rated MVP candidate than him, Josh Allen as well, he, you saw him make a statement with those five touchdown passes in week one yep. against what could be a bad Arizona team. Yeah. Either way, it's still a statement. They went out there and handled business on the road. And, and again, when you got a, a, a motivated Patrick Mahomes, I think you're going to have a motivated team behind him. Again, that defense, they want to help him win MVP. And so if it's a matter of getting some extra pressure on Justin Herbert, who may very well not have Keenan Allen, I just think KC comes out here at home as a four-point favorite, and they make a statement that we got the MVP. Yep. And so I'm mm-hmm. going to go that the Chiefs roll here. Uh, John's right to look at this thing and say, man, it's, it's classic matchup. We could have a battle all the way down to the wire. I believe th- these are two AFC contenders truly, but I think the Chiefs are going to make a statement. So I'm going to roll yep. that this thing is not. that the this is a, We'll be talking about KC after this one is, oh, man, is it them or the Bills? I agree. I agree. I think the Chiefs control this game. Aaron Judge will break Roger Maris's home run record for the American League. Is that cap or no cap? Needs 5-20. and 20. Needs five home runs in 20 games to break the record. He hit homers number 56 and 57 last night in a 7-6 win over the Red Sox. He's been on fire. He's got 20 more home runs wow. than the next closest guy in the, in the Major League Baseball. How about that? 37 is the next closest. Wow. He's got 57. He needs five. Again, in, uh, the Yankees have got 20 games left here in the regular season. Does he get there? I say yes. He's been on a tear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, all he's got to do is what? One every two games? I mean, on or one every four games. Four. Yeah. I mean, I think he would do it even if it was one every two games. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this guy is gonna pass it, and the Yankees very quietly, very very quietly, are rolling. Yeah, you like because yeah. of your future. They're rolling right now. Had a nice win against the Red Sox last night. The Mets lost. Well, the Mets in the other case. And maybe going the other direction. To the uh, Chicago the Cubs. Cubs. How they do that? Look at those Cubs playing spoiler. <laughs> 
Well, I, I do. I think it's. I think. I, I, I think th- we beat Degrom too. Do yeah. we not? How are the Astros oh, oh, doing? Oh. How are the Astros rolling too? I'm assuming. Yeah, right? they are. They're always rolling. Joe. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they're the best in AL since the yeah. break. Basically, I mean, well, they're going to have the Yankees are going to have to find a way to beat the Astros, right? If they beat the Astros, I think they can win the whole thing. But yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't know if they can exercise that demon there. Um, plus, they cheat. They're cheaters. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he's gonna do it. Uh, don't pitch to him unless they don't. Unless unless the pitcher stop pitching to him, that's the only way he wouldn't do it. If he just got intentionally walked four times a game, mm-hmm. I think he does do it. Uh, does Pooji get to seven hundred? That was the next question I he was gonna three? ask you. How many more? You three. know better. Yeah, he's I thought six ninety seven. So I thought he's gonna get there, right? You got twenty games <laughs> essentially too. I haven't counted. You're nineteen, twenty, twenty one games left. I think Yanks. so, and I think they've got enough buffer room above right. Milwaukee to play him against non lefty matchups too. You know, because that's what they're going. I think that's they'll end up having to do that in order to get him there. You know, because like last night he started, they had a left hander. If they have a right hander, I think they're going to start playing him more. You know, against the non ideal matchups to get him there. John, did you see our friend Max Kellerman got a little bit of hot water when it comes. to I Pugis? saw this. They read, I read it those this St. Louis folks went crazy on him. They've written columns Wait. about it, like. What? Why was Max accusing him of? Real quick, let's go there. Um, what do you think? Do you think that uh, there might be well, some tell, foul play? Go ahead and tell the background. You should, you... Yeah. So, so Max basically all but said that that Albert is. He cheating. said, "Why is he? Why is he hitting like Amazing, this now? Amazing this tear he's on. Wow. What? I want what he's taking. Exactly. You know that kind of deal. And he had to apologize. He apologized to the Cardinals organization. He did it on TV too. Um, I'm not sure if it's sincere or not. Because why would you say it if you don't sort of believe that he's cheating? I don't know. I used to. I was one of those snowballed people back in the '90s who who could see past the the pipes. But if you look at his physique, he's got the beer gut. There's nothing attractive about Albert's physique right now. I don't think he's cheating. And I remember the lawsuit because there was a, a columnist back in '13 that said he was cheating, and, and he and he filed lawsuit. I mean, he right? went to the ends of the earth to, to to fight that whole deal. And there was like proof and all this stuff. And the way that they test a couple times a year, I, I don't know. I don't. So, know. so Kellerman's point was that if he if he's not juicing, why wasn't he hitting like this in the previous couple of years? Right question. as he's been running down, that was the whole point. He basically inferred that he was yeah. on that he's juicing right now to have this streak. You can't you. You know, you can't do. You got to be careful with that. Yeah, and, and in Albert's case, I'm, I'm gonna go with you that, and especially left hand pitching. He's yeah. always, always he's also a, a tactician. He's a he's a exactly. Stud. He's a he's not a guy like McGuire who was coming out here hacking at the ball to try to bomb it. You know, like he's a tactician. Not to mention, I think uh, uh, one of the comments of St. Louis put it. He's played during what 75 percent of the of the in terms of the testing, the yeah. increased testing in Major League Baseball. His his time in baseball has covered 75 percent of that. So, and he's yeah. never been popped. No, he's. Never been popped. Never ever. So, the, so as much as we want to suspect, no. or somebody wants to, so, yeah, you've got to include that too, at That's least, true. right? You, yeah. That history. You can't just say, "Oh, the guy's juicing because <laughs> right. he's hit this many home runs at forty yeah. whatever years he is." So again, I thought it, you know Max was, yeah, trying to see tough. what sticks there. Yeah, yeah, and it went a little bit too far. And frankly, I just think it's he, it's it's Albert Pujols <laughs> being amazing against the left-handed pitching. Yep. And then finally, in cap or no cap. NFL Broncos coach Nathaniel Hackett sounded like a clown yes- yesterday when he took back his uh, thoughts on the final uh, kick there. Is that cap or no cap? Is it a clown statement? I, I thought he did sound like a clown. I thought he sounded like a guy who clearly is in over his head because he came out on Monday night and said, you know, we, we practiced for this. This was the plan. Um, you know, we're going to live with that. And he comes out on Tuesday and he says that he definitely should have let Russell Wilson run a fourth and five play in the closing seconds of that loss. Quote, looking back at it, definitely should have gone for it. One of those things you look back at it and say, of course, we should go for it. We missed the field goal. But in that situation, we had a plan. We knew 46 was the mark. Uh, he sounds to me like a coach who just 
you know, doesn't really know how to react. Now, he's a first-year head coach, and, you know, it's possible that, I don't know, hell, I think it's possible we look up in 10 years and he's got a Super Bowl. Who knows? I mean, anything can happen in sports, right? I mean, the, they do have Russell Wilson in a hell of an offense there in Denver. I can't rule anything out. You better start throwing the receivers. But I, I thought he sounded like, like if I'm a Denver Broncos fan today, I'm like, does our coach have any clue what he is doing? Like, what? which is it, man? Like, I would rather him say, yeah, we, we decided we were going to kick the field goal. We missed the field goal. It was the right decision for our team, and I would do it again if I had the chance. Right? Because that at least says – But it's a fake face. Well – I understand that, but at least you and we knew it was you fake. believe it though, right? Like you have conviction you, you, about your decision. Like if you're going to make that decision, have some conviction about it. Like don't flip flop and, and, and blow in the wind about it because that's like that's not what the great coaches do. The great coaches say this is what my team is going to do. This is what this is our decision. Otherwise, why did you do it? Did you just panic? But, but he's admitting he made the wrong decision. Well, and, yeah. and what world is that but not? My what question you need to then, do? my question so, then becomes why did he do it in the first place? Well, he blew it. Like, what went into the decision to do it in the first place? He blew it, and he covered – you could tell, in the fact, in the pre, when, he, when he tried to stretch it to his a fourth and six. No, bro, it was a fourth and five. Don't try to lie to <laughs> yeah, us the and yard. stretch it out and tell us it was another yard, and that's why Russ wasn't going to get oh, it. It was a long five, like, bro. Like, like, it was I'm, a long five. I promise you, I went back and counted. It was one, two, three, four, five, not even long five. No, like, the I dude do. was literally stretching it out to try to make you believe that's actually they what could I do. not get it. Like, I say I'm six when I'm five. Because you know what I'm it was a face. That was it's never, a long five. They, they absolutely blew it. And, and listen, maybe that's, that's us different as uh, – you know, the difference in us as fans, if I'm a Denver Broncos fan, after yet, before he admits the fault in this, I don't know if I got a, a fool, a clown, is he a, what, I, I don't know. And frankly, he's saying that he, this is what they wanted to do. So hell, I'm, I'm left hanging the wind. I might got a buffoon for a coach, at least in coming out and saying, I made the wrong decision as, as a fan, I can say, well, there's a coach who, if he does make mistakes, he's at least ca- capable of going back and saying, I did this. I'm, I'm being held accountable here. I blew it. I'll fix this. Yep. I don't want a coach who's constantly trying to tell me wrong decisions are the right one just because they pick them. Yeah. So, so I, I just go back to the point you made. As a fan, yes, it looks ugly. You're jumping one way to the other. But I'd rather know that you know that it was a mistake. Mm-hmm. So that I feel in terms of your coaching acumen decisions, I'm trying to figure out if you're Mike McCarthy here or you know, you're know you going to be a bad clock manager all your career if you if you got a chance. And so in coming and admitting the mistake, I can I, – I, I think that's the right move, even though, yes, John, you stand the, you know, you go back out there again a second time, more tomatoes in your face. You know, you go one way, then you go the other, but he went the right way. And so we'll be, I'm on the opposite end of this one. He needed to do this. Well, we'll see. We'll see what uh, what the next few uh, weeks look like for him. Maybe he'll. Maybe the Broncos figure it out fast. I mean, they have Russell Wilson at well, quarterback. If anybody can do it, it is them. Yeah. Um, and now that they're playing, he didn't play him in the preseason. That's yeah. the other part about right, it. So, right. so get these reps. They'll be they'll be fine. Uh, I still think they're fourth less team in the AFC West. Though. Oh, I hope you're right. I don't want to finish last. I'd like to not finish last. All right, we'll come back. Mark Gennard is going to join us on the other side. We'll talk to him about Memphis football and more. Stick around. Jason and John, ninety turn FM, ESPN. I'm Michael Jenkins helping you beat the books with BetQL. The Tigers have been one of the worst-hitting teams in the majors this season, but seem to have come around as of late. Detroit is averaging more than four runs a game over the last six, a full run higher than their season average. And the Astros' top ten offense has put up 34 total runs over their last six. Add it all up, and this afternoon's tilt between Houston and Detroit should go over the number, and that's the BetQL five-star play of the day. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bart Gennato's in the building, reading at CommercialPill.com. Listen to him every day. Every day, huh? Five days a week. Five days a week. Five days a week right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Um, All right, Memphis football. Okay. Handled business. Mm -hmm. Is that about where it sits with you? Yeah, they did what they had to do. And, uh, you know, it was nice that they looked good beating Navy. It wasn't like they just went in and got a win. Right. You know, I thought they they looked good beating Navy. They beat Navy convincingly – um and uh, I was I came away encouraged by the performance on both sides of the ball. So, four and one is kind of what we've talked about, right? If you're four and one going into Houston, I think it's so important. I, I I just think when you look at the like the Ryan Silverfield era, like what we've been talking about is it needs momentum, and like this is a chance to pick up some momentum. And if you're not going to do it now. Mm-hmm. Like, is it really going to happen later in the season? You know, like, this is your chance to really build some momentum, um, get, you know, and set up. You know, I think it just sets up nicely where you have these three games. You're going to be favored in all three of them, I think. Arkansas State, North Texas, Temple. And I know you don't want to look ahead. Like, I think all three, they could, in some form or fashion, if they don't play well, maybe they could lose them. But, like, I think they should win them. Uh, if they're any good, they yeah, will win like that. Like I said, they'll be favorite in all three. Um, and I, I just think it's really important because it's a it's going to be a Friday night. You'll be on ESPN. Houston's the preseason favorite, but hasn't necessarily looked like some unbeatable juggernaut mm-hmm. early in the first two games. Like that's a nice moment for the program. It's before the Grizzlies have started. Really, it's before. You know, Tiger basketball picks up steam. It's like a nice moment to kind of capture some attention on yourself. Like, I just think it's very important for the program. I'm not saying you have to beat Houston, but I think you want to just have like a nice little spotlight moment for your program there. And I just don't think it's going to be quite the same if you're three and two, if you lose one of these three games against a, you know, team you should beat, so to speak. Um, And so I just, that's how I look at it. I look at it as a, you know, a really nice, a big opportunity, but also just an opportunity they that feels reasonable to expect them to pull off. You said that the way that Memphis won against Navy was important to you, and I, mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Is the way Memphis wins this week against Arkansas State as important, or now that you got that one, bounce back from Mississippi State, is it just 
however you win and get to four and one. Does the style not matter my, as much now? I my my thinking is I, I think the offense kind of figured out some things in that Navy game. You could just see it as the game wore on, particularly the drive I thought the drive after Navy scored to get within ten had a long Navy like drive span the end of the third, beginning of the fourth. Yeah. They get within ten, then you stop them on the two point conversion and then Memphis just marches down the field methodically. It wasn't the explosive plays like mm-hmm. earlier in the game. They they, they made a lot of big-time uh, conversions, yes. nice Important good play drive. calls, I agree. I agree. great throws and decisions by Seth Hennigan. I just thought it was a really – like right there I go, oh, okay. Like they've, they're figuring some things out. I think it's a little more complicated for the defense because they've played such unorthodox offenses. Like I don't know if we know – what the best version of this defense is. Like, they play great against Navy, but, like, that's just not a – you're not employing that strategy ever right. again this right. season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, so um, it, it'll be interesting, I think, this game from the defense's perspective. This will be the first quasi-traditional offense they play. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it'll be much more similar to what they're going to face – the rest of the season. So what do they do? What do they look like? But, um, yeah, I, I just think I think I feel good about them coming. You know, it made me kind of – you wanted to make sure that the Mississippi State game kind of looked like more like an anomaly than something to be concerned about. And I think they accomplished that against Navy. Like, it feels like Mississippi State might end up being the best team they face all year, to be quite honest, when you look at – you know, UCF didn't look great at home, losing to Louisville. Houston barely beat UTSA last week. And I'm not saying UTSA is bad, but this was the conference preseason favorite. And then they, you know, lose to a bottom half of the Big 12 Texas Tech team. And so um, I just think uh, in multiple ways – I felt encouraged coming out of the Navy game. And like I said, I just think there's – you look at what the way the schedule sets up, if they're any good, if they're actually a good team, which you're hoping they are, like it, there's, a, there's, there's a nice path for them to take mm-hmm. uh, now that they've gotten through these first two road games and did, like I said, what they had to do. No, I agree with you. Um, the, the stakes are always so high for Memphis football, right? And the margin of error is it, – it always feels like so low. Um, in terms of you know you, the sports fans' consciousness and and, yeah. and conscience and attention span mm-hmm. in Memphis, like c- can that ever change? Can it ever? Because you know th- there are places in we know it right. There are some places where it's just twenty four seven around the clock, no matter what. They're not battling. They're not fighting for. Like they're not arguing in Alabama I, if they go digital only, right? I mean that's just that's just that whatever. You'll do what you got to do. I think that's a little overblown to the whole digital. I think there's just like some there's a few people who are yeah. not happy about it. Yeah. But ultimately and it'll probably honestly it it'll probably there'll probably be issues this weekend. Oh, you already it. know the first weekend. But they get I honestly think it's good they get four straight home games. I bet you by the end of this four home games <laughs> it'll so. be ironed out. Um but um no, and people it's funny like there are multiple reasons why they're doing this. One, I think it's cheaper. It saves money. It yeah, saves money. Fine. Two, that at me. I, but I think the most important thing that people aren't, you know, like ultimately it's the way of the world, but also for the athletic department, I think one, you know, you got to download their app and all this stuff to to do it. Like there's, 
there's a lot of data for like marketing purposes. I think they're going to be able to get their hands on. And in fact, they it was kind of mentioned at the board of trustees meeting like, oh, by the way, this is one of the benefits of this. Like we think it's going to help our business because we're going to be able to reach out marketing wise, you, you know, have a better understanding of our customer base through this ticketing system. So some people are probably listening to that going, man, that's a little like, eh, I don't know. But I actually think if you're t- thinking about it in terms of the athletic department, it makes sense. Like this is a way potentially to add some revenue mm-hmm. um, down the line marketing the program um, because that's ultimately what they need. Um, they need, you know, to, to John's point, um, you know, you want it felt like they were getting there at the end of the Norvell era. Like that 2019 season, the interest was really, really high towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that SMU game, obviously, the co- from college game day on, it felt just, you know, it, it really felt like you were like, oh, this is, you know, really close to the full potential of this program in terms of interest and engagement and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to be I, – I think it's going to take – John, honestly, winning at that type of level consistently. Yeah. Like, and I don't think it's just Memphis. Like, that applies to other places, too. Like, I covered Virginia Tech for five years. Like, I mean, the interest in Virginia Tech football, you know, is not where it was 10 years ago when they were, you know, going to the ACC championship game every year and whatever. Like, when you have a bunch of six and six seasons, seven and five seasons in a row, like, it's not like the world ends, but. You know, some people fall off the wagon. Um, And so that's, you know, and that goes back to just the whole narrative going into the season for the program. Like it was just, it's just important for them to make sure they don't go multiple seasons or, you know, with like people kind of checking out Mm -hmm. in the, you know, by November. You know, like that's kind of what happened last year. And, you don't. I mean, you just don't want a repeat of that. You want to at least. Like, I'm not saying they need to win the league, whatever. But like, you want to create some moments that can capture people's attention throughout the season. And I, I see potential for this team to do that. You know, whether it's the winning these next three and playing Houston, whether it's you know, getting to that UCF game at the start of November. Like, I think you know, I would hope this Memphis team is capable of at least having like an outside shot at being in the conference championship game as it enters November. That's what my hope. I'm not saying they have to make the conference championship game, but I think for the sake of the program, you want to be in the mix, even if it's, even if it's like kind of a long shot, whatever, like to me, it feels like going into that November 5th game against UCF and having it be relevant is really important. Just like going into this Houston game, uh, you know, in three weeks, at four and one, and re- you know, making it a really relevant game. I think it's just important for the program. How does the American stack up against the Sun Belt once the top three are going to the Big Twelve? And your in your that's rise? an interesting question. I, um, I, I think it does not stack up well. Isn't that well? The here's answer? what I'd say: it's certainly a lot better? closer closer than it was. Right. I mean, here's the question: I think SMU is going to be really tough to beat moving forward because they are the 36,000 they are get, the, they are using they are getting more money than any other of mm-hmm. the others you know the teams that are kind of left in this whatever they're calling going to call the group of 5 moving forward like SMU's going to have the most money so, so like and I think you. I think they're going to be good I mean if UTSA keeps this coach 
Like UTSA seems like it's a really good football program. I, football he, program. I just don't know if it's that coach. You already know. He keeps doing that. He's out of there. Like yeah, it's only a matter probably, of time. Yeah. Probably. So like that's the question with UTSA. Mm-hmm. Is it that coach or are they actually building something that's sustainable? Um, it seems like ECU hired a good coach and is you know going to be a pretty solid program again. The quarterback's the helping, least. but I'm with you. He's like got it seems like the, the right direction. It seems like he's got he's a, he was a yeah. good hire. He, 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 he won a national championship at the FCS level at James Madison. Yeah, he's good. Seems like a pretty good coach. Um, so you got that. I don't know. I don't know what to make of Tulane. Ultimately, um, you know, Florida Atlantic was only good under Lane Kiffin. Um, oh, it gets thin. Rice is not any good. It gets like, thin now, I mean, the additions they made to the league, Charlotte isn't great. You know, the addition. I I didn't like the additions in the program memory. Write them, yeah. The, the American made, and and I wrote that I think I think what the Sun Belt felt like the one league, other than like the Big Ten, who in this cycle, and the SEC, but in this cycle felt like it improved got itself. It got better. I mean, like they got like you know, like teams like Marshall. And Appalachian State and Southern Miss, even like the you know they care about football a lot, and they they're not in like these big markets, but like you know they're you know you go check out that UNC game. There are a lot of people at in Boone at that at that game, um, and it's a pretty you know it's been a good program for you know going on what since they were. The FCS team beating Michigan, yeah, you know, like they they've been it's a good been program for now. a while, um, and I think they also hit on you know the athletics written about this. Like you look at the Sun Belt, so many schools in the Sun Belt are like setting records for season ticket sales because instead of going for big markets, they went let's add a bunch of regional teams that have like you know some you know some rivalry aspect to it. Um, you know, well, like, where their their communities might be smaller, but they yeah. care more. It, well, and it's it, there's just more like minded teams, right? Like I think Memphis's problem in all of this is like you know, like SMU feels like like minded to Memphis. They're like, yeah, mm-hmm. they're maybe on the outside looking in, but they strive to be like among the best. Mm-hmm. And um, UCF and Houston and Cincinnati were the same way. They they felt like minded sure. to Memphis, and you know, some of those Sun Belt teams. And the mount some of the Mountain West teams now the bottom of Mountain West isn't very good either, um, but like it just doesn't feel like Memphis is going to be in a league with enough teams and schools that are like minded right. with them, uh, and that's a that's a big problem. Um, but I think ultimately when we get to like the twelve team playoff because that's really what's important mm-hmm. moving forward. That's where I'm going is you know who's going to get that spot. Whereas I think what's going to change I don't think the Sun Belt has passed the American. But what I do think is, whereas the past five years, it's basically been like, well, if like the American has like a one loss or no loss team, like they're getting the New Year's Six bid. I think now it's like a much bigger crapshoot between the Mountain West, Sun Belt, and American. It feels like they're all on the same level. Whereas with Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF, it felt like the AAC had kind of elevated itself above all the other group of five conferences. Oh, I don't think that's pack, not huh? the case anymore. I, I don't think they've passed the AAC, mm-hmm. but I think the AAC has come back down to the pack. That's yeah, I, the best I, I, I don't know. Play. I don't know what the AAC, you know, I mean, like you, you, they didn't really a, uh, achieve anything with the additions that they're adding. Like the only ones that the only one that really the, the ones that make sense sort of to me were UAB, Maybe. North Texas and UTSA. I don't get adding rice. 
Charlotte, I guess, but like felt odd. And then Florida Atlantic, like I know they wanted another school for USF mm-hmm. down there, and they said it was for like recruiting purposes and whatever. But I don't know, like you know, it's really going to hurt the basketball more, you know, as well. Like the basketball league is not going to be good. Oh no, the basketball is is, is dreadful. I mean, like because at least like like UTSA and um, you know you could see I guess Florida Atlantic be good. Like those teams haven't been good in basketball ever. Like they and they're not just like bad right now. Like UTSA's basketball program is like yeah, among the worst in the country, and, they, and they're and it's never going to be anything other than that. They have I mean, no maybe they can. You know, it's like if they get the right coach, can they be like what Tulane is under Ron Hunter? Sure, but it's only for a few years until yeah. the coach gets hired somewhere else. Yeah, so I don't know. It's uh you know, it's uncertain times in terms of what the league's going to be. But I, you know, I do think Memphis football. You got to hope. You know, it's like to me, it should be like them and SMU duking it out for super. You know that based on resources and recent history, those you know maybe UTSA's in there as long as this coach is there. Maybe ECU's in the mix, but like it feels like Memphis will have a good shot to be one of the two best teams in the league every year. Um, but we shall see. Are yeah. you are you still one last? Thing, are you feeling IARP still thinking that's going to come down this month? And if so, what do you sort of envision for Memphis basketball getting? I don't know this month, whatever. I think it's going to happen before the season. I think it's happening before the season starts. That would be my, you know, based on the timeline of the NC State case and based on what the athletic department has gotten in terms of indications, it's going to, like, they're going to know what they're dealing with, I think, before the season starts. Um, You know, at this point, it would be speculating. It does feel like this, there's this movement away from giving teams postseason bans. And so... Um, you can't yeah. tell Kendrick Davis this late in the game that they're going to be facing a postseason ban, can you? <sighs> Serious, I'm with you. I mean, that's, yeah, I don't know. That, I, that's what I'm saying. It would be and you're going away from it as it my is. My suspicion is like Penny is going to have to serve some kind of suspension. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My that's question is how long will that be? Because they noted in that notice of allegations that he's being considered a first time offender. So, like, I'm guessing there's a cap on how many games a yeah, first time offender. Can be suspended, um, but you know, I I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it's going to be at most like yeah, Penny has to serve a suspension, and you know maybe you lose a scholarship or something, or you get like you're you get some recruiting limitations, like you lose some days where you can be out on the road and stuff like that. Like to me, if the punishment is going to fit the crime, it should feel like a you know a punishment against. You know, I guess Penny, I, I would say it should be more like the administrators, but look, ultimately they can only do you know, the the punishment has to be has to the be basketball towards team, the yeah. basketball team and the coach. But I, yeah. I just hope it's it's something that isn't going to affect this team because they had nothing to do with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hope it's a punishment that, you know, that's what to me it should. Some people will call it a slap on the wrist, but given like. The landscape of college basketball now—that's what the, the, all of this kind of feels like. You know, make sure they know it's—you know—you can't do this. You have to uphold your rule book, but don't go and—you know—hammer them. It doesn't feel like a hammerable offense at this point, given what college sports looks like now. I completely as, agree. Uh, compared nice to, to a few years ago, put it to bed. It would be. Yeah. It would oh be. Now, I don't know. I don't know. It, it would be two total, and a half years in this one. It would be the most. Memphis I mean, it'll thing be ever. three years in November. My God, it would be the most nice thing ever to be like the the harsh kick in the ass the on last, the way down. Yeah, the yeah. last hurrah. But yeah. I think now, 
now that they've already come out and voted that the IRP is going to be dissolved, Dumb. like this whole like they don't have an appeal. Like I think you can. I, I think there's a very feels like a winnable lawsuit. At, you know, if right. you want to appeal it, because like how can you say there's no appeal? To a system that doesn't exist. To, well, to a system that was so Failed. bad that yeah. you ended it like three years later. Like I think you'll have a decent lawsuit Fair. on your hands too. So um, I don't think just the if it is a harsh ruling, I do think given what we now know about the IRP and its future, I think there's some recourse for Memphis. I, I hope we don't have to get there. Yeah, because yeah. that would just make it go longer. Yeah, that, exactly. that would make this thing go like another three years. Like by the time, like we're, we're, we won't even have the ruling until James Wiseman's kids are in high school, <laughs> and like like somebody's moving them out of state. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah, James come Wiseman's granting interviews, saying he wants to. You know, he'll play for any team that drafts his son, like LeBron. <laughs> yeah, that's how long <laughs> this thing's going to drag out. It's ridiculous. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you, Mark. Beat right, the Lions this week, Commanders. Oh, my they're, gosh, they're underdogs. underdogs. Yeah, that must be a low point for you. Hey, and your Washington well, football fan. They, they set it up for them to be 2 and 0. They give them the Jaguars and the Lions to start the year. So, yeah. good yeah. luck. We'll see. Absolutely. Thanks, All right, uh, we will come back with the rundown. Uh we we will talk about that, right? Some some history being made this weekend in the NFL. Stick around. Jason and John, 90 Turn FM, ESPN. WMFS FM and HD1 Bartlett. WMFS Memphis, where the legacy of sports is flagship home of the Memphis Grizzlies and Tigers talk. Always live on the free Odyssey app and smart speakers. Say play 92.9 ESPN, powered by DuckDuckGo. Rockies is the place to be this Saturday to cheer on your Memphis Tigers. Great screens, great sounds, billionaires, Bloody Mary bar. All the Memphis beers and best bourbons and Highland 100 members always get a discount. Stay with us after the game for a big party for charity, complete with beer pong and plenty of shenanigans. Check out Rockies on all the socials. That's Rocky. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.